welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus and what a historical week it has been here in the United States of America. There was a large rally in Washington, D.C. to support President Trump and to speak out against the election and voter fraud that many Americans believed happened in the November 3rd election. And, of course, on the morning following the Senate runoff in Georgia, of which still suspicion hangs in the air, were these equal and fair elections, or was fraud playing a heavy hand, as both Democrats at this time seems to have won in the... Uh, Georgia runoff, giving the complete control of the U.S. government to one-party rule the Democratic leftist agenda. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. I want to read to you a statement that we issued last night. We want to support the 140-plus members of the U.S. Congress and the 11 U.S. Senators who are uh, basically objecting to the Electoral College vote that is being presented uh, this week on the floor. Now, as we speak, uh, this is being taped on Wednesday. There has been a disruption on Capitol Hill as protesters that were there for the rally have basically breached the building and have stopped the sessions of both the House and Senate. So until that resumes later, we'll find out what happened. But uh, we're going to talk about what's going forward. We're going to presume the worst politically and that uh, Mr. Biden will be the president, that the Democrats will control the House, the Senate, and basically what that means. And they're talking about a very radical view of America, moving it to a more socialist state rather than what we've been familiar with all of our lives. All of our republic is seemingly at risk with this new form of government that's been ushered in. And many Americans, quite honestly, one poll, a low poll, has 39% of Americans, including Republicans, independents, and some Democrats, believe that the election was stolen. So with that much doubt in the air, we really are in terrible times in our country and uh, really a time in which we need to be aware of what's going on. But let's talk about the Electoral College challenge that's happening uh, as we speak. Again, this is taped on Wednesday. It will be aired on Thursday. You may know the effect by then, but maybe not, as this thing may play out. But let's go to the audio tape of Senator Ted Cruz, who's leading the Senate effort to object the Electoral College votes from some of the states of where fraud was evidently uh, present, and even maybe election fraud, and maybe even, it has been confirmed, uh, international influence in the United States elections. This is a very serious matter. Let's listen to Senator Ted Cruz on the floor. Mr. President. Senator. We gathered together at a moment of great division, at a moment of great passion. We have seen, and no doubt will continue to see, a great deal of moralizing from both sides of the aisle. But I would urge to both sides perhaps a bit less certitude and a bit more recognition that we are gathered at a time when democracy is in crisis. Recent polling shows that 39% of Americans believe the election that just occurred, quote, was rigged. You may not agree with that assessment, but it is nonetheless a reality for nearly half the country. 
I would note it is not just Republicans who believe that. 31% of independents agree with that statement. 17% of Democrats believe the election was rigged. Even if you do not share that conviction, it is the responsibility, I believe, of this office to acknowledge that is a profound threat to this country and to the legitimacy of any administrations that will come in the future. I want to take a moment to speak to my Democratic colleagues. I understand your guy is winning right now. If Democrats vote as a block, Joe Biden will almost certainly be certified as the next president of the United States. I want to speak to the Republicans who are considering voting against these objections. I understand your concerns, but I urge you to pause and think, what does it say to the nearly half the country that believes this election was rigged if we vote not even to consider the claims of illegality and fraud in this election? And I believe there's a better way. The leaders just spoke about setting aside the election. Let me be clear, I am not arguing for setting aside the result of this election. All of us are faced with two choices, both of which are lousy. One choice is vote against the objection. And tens of millions of Americans will see a vote against the objection as a statement that voter fraud doesn't matter, isn't real, and shouldn't be taken seriously. And a great many of us don't believe that. On the other hand, most, if not all of us, believe we should not set aside the results of an election just because our candidate may not have prevailed. And so I endeavored to look for door number three, a third option, and for that I looked to history, to the precedent of the 1876 election, the Hayes-Tilden election, where this Congress appointed an electoral commission to examine claims of voter fraud. Five House members, five senators, five Supreme Court justices examined the evidence and rendered a judgment. And what I would urge of this body is that we do the same, that we appoint an electoral commission to conduct a 10-day emergency audit, consider the evidence, and resolve the claims. For those on the Democratic aisle who says, say there is no evidence, they've been rejected, then you should rest in comfort. If that's the case, an electoral commission would reject those claims. But for those who respect the voters, simply telling the voters, go jump in a lake, the fact that you have deep concerns is of no moment to us, that jeopardizes, I believe, the legitimacy of this and subsequent elections. The Constitution gives to Congress the responsibility this day to count the votes. The framers knew what they were doing when they gave responsibilities to, to Congress. We have a responsibility, and I would urge that we follow the precedent of 1877. The Electoral Count Act explicitly allows objections such as this one for votes that were not regularly given. And let me be clear, this objection is for the state of Arizona, but it is broader than that. It is an objection for all six of the contested states to have a credible objective, impartial body hear the evidence and make a conclusive determination. That would benefit both sides. That would improve legitimacy of this election. And so let me urge my colleagues, all of us take our responsibility seriously.
I would urge my colleagues, don't take perhaps the easy path, but instead act together. Astonish the viewers and act in a bipartisan sense to say we will have a credible and fair tribunal, consider the claims, consider the facts, consider the evidence, and make a conclusive determination whether and to what extent this election complied with the Constitution and with federal law. That was Senator Ted Cruz on the floor this afternoon before it was disrupted by protesters who entered the chambers of the U.S. Capitol building, uh, pouring out from the large uh, gathering as uh, was gathered in the morning to hear speakers that support President Trump, that support uh, the agenda of the president over the last four years. Uh, but obviously we're concerned about the election fraud that took place in various battleground states that we've reported on in this program, and it's available on our website. Uh, just go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website. Some of the videos of the state legislatures holding hearings with expert witnesses, uh, sworn affidavits of literally now thousands of people who witnessed and gave under perjury of law sworn statement that election fraud took place in their states with documentation, with video evidence, none of which has been seen by any court or have the affidavits been read by any justice. This is the frustration that people are feeling. And so right now we're seeing an unprecedented act as the literally folks have stormed the Capitol building on Capitol Hill and have taken it over so far peacefully uh, you know, it is an act, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, it's against the law to do so, but as one protester said, this is the people's house. And so the Democratic mayor of Washington, D.C. has not made life easy for those coming in for the rally. She has shut down streets. Uh, she has turned away food vendors. She has shut down bathrooms, hotels. She has not put out the welcome wagon. In fact, she has made it very difficult for these Americans to come and peacefully protest. So there's going to be fault that goes all the way around here. And before we make any kind of judgment on that, it's too soon for that. But one thing is certain, as the senator said, this country is deeply divided right now. And uh, we, we're hearing it everywhere we go, in our homes, in our communities, in our states across the country. As Christians, we are needing to pray. But also, as Christians, we need to understand the times in which we live. One of the scripture verses that I've put up on our website is from First Chronicles 12.32. And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. In this instance, it's what the church ought to do. And right now, we need to be praying for that kind of wisdom and understanding as we enter into the new year. Obviously, we don't know what tomorrow brings. But we do know that God will guide us through as a church, and we need to be vigilant, we need to be ready, and we need to be those who are of ready mind to be able to give reason. This still is an opportunity in this representative republic to hold lines of defense and or resistance peacefully, and we're going to talk about it on the program today. I've invited our good friend, Pastor Al Davis, who's a board member of the Ohio Christian Alliance, to join me again today, and also our good friend from the Buckeye Institute, Greg Lawson. It's a conservative think tank in Columbus, Ohio, and they weigh in on a lot of public policy, and they've been a great go-to organization to help us with research. We're going to talk about practical ways, and we're going to consider, let's consider for us as conservatives and pro-life, pro-family people, the worst-case scenario that the left takes over both chambers of the Congress when the dust settles and the presidency and then begins to push through a very radical leftist agenda. 
what can we then do, right? Well, we can do some resistance peacefully. We can actually affect policy in our states. Here in Ohio, the Republicans control both the Ohio House, the Ohio Senate, and all five branches of the state government, including governor, attorney general, and secretary of state. The states will have to start fighting back against overreach of federal mandates that are surely going to come that affect our school children, our men, our women, our children, and we're going to, in our Christian beliefs, this is all going to be an assault for us going forward. Again, I'm going to turn to Pastor Al. Pastor Al, your thoughts about that. Well, thank you, Chris. And yes, we're certainly living in a historic time when we see what's happening, and our prayers to continue to be for our country and for our leaders. And as Christians, of course, you know, we uh, we obviously understand we need to respond uh, uh, with prayer, and uh, God's people need to be in prayer uh, in regards to what's happening. But looking at the idea of a potential Pence, admi- I'm sorry, uh, Biden administration uh, and the limiting of our Christian liberties and some of the things that you've been talking about, I continue to go back to what Peter and the apostles said when they were told by the uh, the authorities of their day that they could not preach in the name of Christ, and they said in Acts chapter. Uh, 5 and verse 20, we ought to obey God rather than man. And we understand we obey man and man's laws until it conflicts with the Bible, don't we? Well, that that's right. And, you know, so in this country, we've enjoyed the privilege of being able to live in a free nation with constitutional rights and privileges that give us freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. We could say that people are demonstrating today, hopefully peacefully, for the most part, meaning when we say peaceful, it's the people say, well, they broke down barriers and they broke into a building. Well, they haven't destroyed anything and no one's been hurt or, thank God, no one's been killed, as happens in other countries when people are so angry about what's happening in their government or lack thereof. So we, we are talking on this program today about let's begin to pray even more intently. Let's give direction. And there is a way for us to peacefully, uh, effectively, become the resistance through public policy. And that's what we do at the Ohio Christian Alliance. And we're going to be leadership here and show the way forward how we're going to do this. So, you know, there's a time to protest. You know, we believe that, that let our voice be heard. Obviously, as pro-lifers, we've done that for years. Unfortunately, we've not been able to shut down abortion in this country. And now it looks as if uh, abortion on demand is going to continue, and the pro-lifers will have a terrible fight on our hands, many of which I've talked to who are very depressed. But there's going to be so many areas of which we're, our liberties and rights are going to be challenged, and we're going to have to find a way to effectively give peaceful resistance to this through policy on the state level against federal mandates, and there's a way to do that. I'm going to turn to my friend Greg Lawson, the Buckeye Institute. We have a lot of great, very thoughtful discussions. Uh, Greg, thank you for your uh, involvement today on the program. Your thoughts? Well, thanks for having me, Chris. And, uh, you know, I wish that we were able to talk under better circumstances than this. This is definitely a historic moment, and it's uh, a very concerning moment. Um, But I will say that one of the first things that has come into my mind is that states, uh, first of all, the Trump administration did a wonderful job of bringing back the concept of federalism. It never really truly went away, but he embraced that. And, and pushed policies back into the hands of states to let states 
make decisions. And that's really how it is supposed to work. The federal government is supposed to be very limited in what it, it does to, you know, security, international issues and, and defense and things of that nature and certain things within the borders. But states uh, have have a great deal of sovereignty and should be the actors that lead the way uh, for the people that reside in the individual states. And his administration did a great job on this. And I think that in a state like Ohio, we are fortunate because we have policymakers uh, within the legislature here, the General Assembly, that want to stand up for what Ohio values are and what Ohio policies are going to be. And the critical thing here is going to be if, in fact, uh, things happen as we've described or as you described, uh, there is going to be an onslaught of D.C. knows best policy. It's going to hit things from everything from gun issues to life issues, and it's going to hit energy issues. It's going to hit, you know, uh, which is a big issue here in Ohio for jobs and employment. And you can see all of these things coming, and it is going to be incumbent upon the government here in Ohio to stand and push back. It did this during the Obama-Biden administration. Uh, the the administration uh, pushed back. There was a lot of litigation. There was a lot of action at the state house to push back on encroachments onto the state, and that is something that absolutely has to happen. Legislators are going to have to stand up. They're going to have to stiffen their spine, and they're going to have to push back. If there's a mandate, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of money that's going to come to the state probably soon. Uh, that's one of the first things I think you can envision happening coming out of Washington is just an obscene amount of spending. And some of that's going to come to the state. Some of it might be necessary to deal, of course, with the after effects of the coronavirus and the issues that we've been confronting there. But we're going to have to be extraordinarily careful about the strings that are attached because Washington, uh, under the Trump administration, did a good job of, of helping without putting a bunch of strings on there because they wanted states to experiment. I don't necessarily see that being the case, of course, from the Biden uh, Harris administration. So the states are going to have to really ask about what kind of money are they willing to take in. And when they do that, they're going to have to push back on the strings. But they can do this. They can do this through legislation. They can do this through, there's a lot of ways in which the, the DeWine governor administration can work well, on and, and uh, litigation, administrative it, rules. The litigation, Bingo. the, uh, the uh, state the attorney, attorney general. general, state attorney general Dave Yost can be very proactive and will be proactive, no doubt. So let's take, for instance, this proposal that Chuck Schumer said that when Biden, on day one, okay, is going to file an executive order about LGBTQ practices in public schools with all public access and accommodation, what are we talking about? We're talking about boys going into girls' bathrooms, showers, locker rooms, uh, athletic programs. This is what they're actually projecting. Folks, this will affect your son or daughter in your local school if Ohio doesn't fight back against the federal mandate that's coming down. Obviously, Second Amendment. <laughs> we have heard the concern in the Second Amendment community. You know, this is our, this is our right to keep and to bear arms, okay? And uh, they're talking about gun seizure. So, you, you know, we're seeing a very angry protest, obviously, in Washington, D.C., the likes of which we've not seen before. Well, because people were upset... They're actually concerned about the future. They've heard the proposals, and now they've seen theft take place in the Electoral College in which the state's fraud take place in strongly Democrat-held counties. I mean, come on. 
what happened in Atlanta, what happened in Philadelphia, in Detroit, and in Maricopa County in Arizona, and then the election machines of Dominion election machines. And, they're, and they're the, the Trump legal team and other legal experts have evidence of international foreign involvement in online election data transfer during the election count. I mean, we've never, people are upset because they see it and they know what they've seen, Greg, and they're upset about it. And I don't think this is going to go away. And so with the federal government, with the new president being seated, Joe Biden, if that's how it comes out, and with uh, Congress being controlled by the Democrats and the leftist agenda, and they start uh, coming at us every which way but uh, dawn, then you know we're going to have to find a plausible way to resist them in the states. We already heard in Texas where they're ready to resist. And like you said, you take the federal money, then you're obligated to the debt. You know, that's how it's always played, that, you know, the more debt that a state takes in from the federal government, you are obligated to their programs and or laws and uh, mandates. Isn't that right? Isn't that what you're saying? That's absolutely right. And we're going to be extraordinarily careful on that and push back on that. That's right. And not obligate ourselves to the federal government and start weaning ourselves away so that we can be more autonomously ruled by our own state government, which we can more control in our own neighborhood. <laughs> but quoting an old Democrat, Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local. And I would rather have that local control, wouldn't you, Al? Oh, absolutely. And something that we've talked about briefly in the past, uh, something that can be done in the states is a concept called nullification. Um, if you wanted to get into that a little bit, um, that dates back to 1798 when James Madison and Thomas Jefferson drafted the Virginia and Kentucky resolutions. And uh, they they basically said that since the states created the federal government in the first place, uh, then it, it, it makes uh, sense that the states can have some kind of defense mechanism should the federal government break free of the restraints they've imposed on it. Um, Jefferson himself introduced the word nullification, by which he meant the power of a state to be able to refuse to allow an unconstitutional federal law to be enforced within its borders. Well, that's right. Well, and let me... Yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, and you've seen this happen a lot. Let's be honest here. When we were trying to... When there was federal immigration law trying to be defended by the Trump administration... The, the other side, you know, pushed back a lot on those kind of things, uh, saying that local governments and states had the ability to act that way. And I think what's interesting is that you're going to probably see them oppose states now trying to act in that way. But what's good for the goose has to be, or at least should be, good for the gander. We need to do that, and we need to push back, and we need to have the states stand up. Well, we've got a lot of work ahead of us, and we're not going anywhere. And for the sakes of our our churches, our faith, our families, and our children and grandchildren, we're going to do that. Well, there are those who have gone before us that gave us this great republic, and we're going to continue exercising our rights and privileges under this constitutional law. I want to thank my good friend, Pastor Al Davis, and Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute for joining us today. Greg, what's the website so folks can visit you? Yep, uh, just www.buckeyeinstitute.org. Very good, and we'll have you back on the program real soon. Stay tuned. On the other side, Pastor Al and I will continue what's going on on Capitol Hill and what's happening in Washington. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Almighty God, 
our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue and welcome back. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion about uh, the Electoral College uh, vote challenge by members of the Congress. In fact, 140 U.S. Sen- uh, U.S. House members and 11 U.S. Senators, and maybe more. Let me read you a statement that we put out by the Ohio Christian Alliance that we're in full support of the 140-plus members of the U.S. House of Representatives and the 11 U.S. Senators who plan on contesting the Electoral College votes in Congress on January 6th. Ohioans turned out in historic numbers to vote in this year's presidential election. President Trump carried the state by eight percentage points. Ohio for the last 60 years has been a bellwether state. If you win Ohio, you win the presidency. Ohioans watched closely as the returns came in on November 3rd and into the early morning hours of November 4th, only to witness an unprecedented shift in vote tallies in key battleground states, switching from President Trump to Mr. Biden. As the days and weeks went by with reports of widespread voter fraud and election fraud by hundreds of eyewitnesses, it became apparent that something went terribly wrong with this year's presidential election. The voters of Ohio feel violated and disenfranchised by Ohio by excuse me by having their votes for president negated by the fraud that took place in other states. Watching state after state conduct hearings with sworn statements from eyewitnesses who attest not just to voter fraud, but to election fraud in their states. Ohioans became concerned about the validity of the election. Many wondered what this would mean for future elections. If massive fraud was being allowed in other states, such as Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada, and Wisconsin, by not policing voter integrity, what would it mean for all future national elections? Many expressed that they had lost confidence in elections, and wondered if they would bother voting in the future. 
This election has undoubtedly cast a dark shadow in the minds of many over voter confidence. Therefore, we fully support the effort by members of the Congress to appoint an electoral commission with full investigatory and fact-finding authority to conduct an emergency 10-day audit of the election returns in the disputed states. Pastor Al, your thoughts? Well, Chris, when we look at the things that are happening, and uh, I have to confess to being a little distracted myself today when we're looking at what's happening uh, on on Capitol Hill, Um, but we as Christians need to stand at the forefront of law and order, don't we? When we when we think about these things, and um, I'm going to pass it back to you for just a second. I I, I got distracted there a moment. Well, you know, Al, as we made this statement as an organization, we believe that there is an opportunity for the Congress to convene this commission that would investigate the validity of this election. And so I know that you support that idea as well. That's what Senator Cruz has been saying. Well, again, therefore, we fully support the elect effort by members of Congress to appoint an electoral commission with full investigatory and fact-finding authority to conduct an emergency 10-day audit of the election returns in disputed states. And I agree with that. Um, But unfortunately, by what is happening right now, I don't know that we're going to be able to do that. Um, Because if things spiral out of control, you were saying earlier in the program that so far there's been no reports of violence or anybody injured, and now there's some uh, videos of people coming out of the... uh, uh, Capitol building with severe injuries, gunshot wounds, things like that. And uh, so uh, it's it's almost like a moot point, but we, we do need our government, our leaders to take a step back when we consider the passions and the things that are happening right now. Um, we need our, our government representatives to take a, pa- a look at what's happening. Why are people reacting the way that they're reacting? What is causing the level of unrest and the level of of uh, uh, passion that's motivating these crowds that have broken into the Capitol building and disrupted the electoral count certification? Uh, if this is swept under the rug, it's going to provide something that will only fester in our country. And if if the events on Capitol Hill today do anything, my hope and my prayer is that it will give resolve to our elected representatives uh, to uh, step back and do like what you're saying and spend some time and objectively analyze just why there are so many credible uh, are reports of fraud and manipulation, and uh, that we can uh, get to the bottom of this, because when we're seeing what's happening today in Capitol Hill, we are not going to be able to restore our uh, form of government and the uh, the uh, confidence in our government unless we are willing to look and analyze and admit what went wrong why it went wrong, and how we need to come together as Americans in order to solve it. Well, let's talk about the election fraud that took place in the various states, and the evidence now is literally overwhelming. Um, The courts have not heard it. Sixty courts turned back, dismissed summarily the cases that were brought forth by citizens, by 
committees, by individuals, by the Trump campaign, by other election officials, all those cases, 60 of them, from state courts to federal courts to appellate courts to the U.S. Supreme Court, would not hear any of the evidence. This has caused a lot of frustration with people across the country. The, the third branch of government is the courts, but nobody wanted to touch it. They, it's like it was too hot to handle. You know, obviously, in our country, we can sense the divide. As Americans, we can sense the divide. As Christians, we are grieved to see what is happening in our country, and we need to pray and intercede. We've been doing that. On September the 27th, we gathered with the Franklin Graham Association, the Billy Graham Association, there at the Lincoln Memorial. And there was tens of thousands of people that came from across the country to pray on September the 27th. By the way, uh, 26th, excuse me. The same day, by the way, that the pilgrims set sail from England 400 years ago to come to this country, to come to this continent. And uh, also that day was Jonathan Kahn and a great assembly of Christians there that were praying and interceding and fasting. And all these days and weeks now since the election, many Christians have been fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. Well, obviously, there is a terrible uh, spiritual warfare going on in our country right now. And, you know, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may withstand against the wiles of the devil and in the evil day that we may stand, putting on the breastplate of righteousness which is uh, what Christ has given to us through his own blood. Putting on the helmet of salvation, you know, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and having your loins girt about with truth, with the Word of God. This is what we are to do as Christians, to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks us. And we're going to be asked. We're going to be asked about the events that are taking place in our country, and we must be ready. You know, folks, this is a, a country that, that we enjoy privileges and rights and freedoms. And when there's a threat of those freedoms, people are going to be upset. They're going to act out in, in very desperate ways. You know, Pastor Al, we've been talking on this program about the shutdowns that occurred because of COVID, because of a, 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 a pandemic, right? Uh, mm -hmm. people, people have been stressed. People have been uh, bottled up in their homes. They've been uh, curtailed from going out and, and living their lives in a normal way. That has to have had some impact on all this, to, and then a very uh, divisive uh, election season, uh, and not to mention the last four years with President Trump uh, and the Trump administration fighting with the, the, the uh, uh, political left of this country, with an impeachment, with, with a bogus Russian investigation, with a fraudulent FBI dossier that uh, put the president under such scrutiny for two years, and the people that support the president have seen all this, endured all this. They're frustrated. They're angry. That's understandable to a point. Violence is never acceptable. Uh, you know, obviously, folks, you know, just ra re reckless, random violence is not acceptable. You know, Pastor, we say that, don't we? And yet we send soldiers to war. Well, you are correct in that, Chris. And when we think about that, uh, you, you said violence is never the answer, but of course we understand what you're saying, senseless violence. Sometimes um, there are uh, times when when violence does take place. Psalm 144, verse 1, David himself, a warrior, said, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. 
But then he said, my goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield in whom I trust who subdueth my people under me. This psalm has sometimes been called the soldier's psalm. But what's interesting about this, and I won't go through for time's sake the entire psalm, but you see him recognizing God equipping him and enabling him for the battle and then being with him in the battle. And then the psalm concludes with David celebrating about how the enemies are defeated, and he makes this statement, which I think is good in verse 12, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. In other words, the blessings of peace and prosperity because men were willing to do what was needed uh, following God in his direction uh, to fight for what is right. Well, that's right, and we've had that in this country, and um, there's a time of war and a time of peace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been praying for peace. We've been praying for there to be better heads to prevail, okay? And, folks, we're going to continue to pray that way. And we want to be voices of reason in the midst of the tumult. You know, Pastor, this week we sent out an email because political um, uh, folks have been targeted this last week. For instance, Senator Josh Hawley. He's a young senator from the state of um, uh, Missouri. And his house was targeted by Antifa. Uh, and they came to his house at night in Washington, D.C., uh, they chanted, this is at like one in the morning, they chanted, they had bullhorns, they had lights, they had sirens, um, they were saying threatening things to the senator's house. The thing of it is, this is what he tweeted. Tonight, while I was in Missouri, Antifa scumbags, this is his words, not mine, he said, tonight, while I was in Missouri, Antifa scumbags came to my place in D.C. and threatened my wife and newborn daughter, who can't travel. They screamed threats, vandalized, and Try to pound open our door. Let me be clear. My family and I will not be intimidated by left-wing violence. So, folks, we had to report on that. And so we said, let us pray for our public officials as they, there are those who seek to change policy through threats, violence, and intimidation. Unfortunately, for some in public office, these tactics are working, but not for those who take uh, courage and stand strong. God bless Josh, Josh Hawley. Then we also have to report that uh, during the uh, stimulus checks debate, both Nancy Pelosi residents in San Francisco, and this is, she's a leftist, she's a Democrat, and it was actually anarchist Antifa people that uh, vandalized her home and actually put blood of a pig, and a, a real pig's head, at her driveway door. It's very disturbing. We actually put out an email on that. And then Mitch McConnell's home in Washington, D.C. was vandalized as well. And so we, we put in the email, pictured above is the vandalism that was done to the home residence of Senator Mitch McConnell and Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Vandalism, threats, intimidation, and violence is on the increase against our public officials. This is an alarming trend that we must report on and alert to you so that you may know the times and seasons that we now live in so you may know how to pray. There will be a large gathering in Washington, D.C. Well, <laughs> folks, that's what's happened. And now today, there's been people injured. And it's, it's a very tragic thing that's what's going on. And again, I reiterate the scripture verse from 1 Chronicles 12.32. 
and the children of Issachar, which were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And so this is the time for us to have mental acuity, you know, right now, to have sharpness and keenness of thought and vision and hearing. Folks, we need to have wisdom and understanding of the times in which we live right now. And if you're in a church right now that's been preaching, uh, let's say, the social gospel, let's say that the social justice gospel, you need to get out of that church. I mean, they are preaching an erroneous doctrine. And right now there's something called the emerging church. And you haven't heard any of these kinds of things, and so you're saying you're aghast at what you see. But these are these are veterans and former veterans that are in Washington, and they see what's happening to their their country and their laws, and they're upset. And you're looking at it, it's like, well, that's that's terrible. And we, you know, and you're you're in a church where you have no idea what's going on, and you're hearing less and less of the word of God, and more and more of showmanship. You need to get out of that church and get into a gospel preaching church that will exercise you in the Word of God. You know, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends, the, Pro- the Proverbs says, and that's with the Word of God that we're to spur one another on to good work. Isn't that right, Pastor Al? Oh, you're absolutely right, because as we direct people to the Lord, and we realize, just like I said in the psalm, that God is our high tower, and uh, we, uh, we understand that uh, we want to be, you know, uh, showing the love of Christ, but we also need to stand for the holiness and righteousness of the Lord as well. And a church that's not willing to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God, a church that's not willing, a pastor that's not willing uh, to proclaim, thus saith the Lord, uh, but instead uh, seeks to placate the people and and to uh, make people feel comfortable and in order just to keep the numbers up and the offering plates filled. Uh, that's not the kind of church that God wants, is it? He wants a church full of people who are willing to take a stand when they need to, but also willing to defend the defenseless and willing to speak up for those who have no voice and willing to uphold the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel message. Because really that's the true answer to the problems our nation has. It's God and his word, the gospel message and salvation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What's happened, what's happening, ladies and gentlemen, as we have offended God. Pastor Al, we have murdered the innocent for five decades now through abortion. We have perverted our sons and our daughters through all kinds of sexual deviancy. Pornography and all kinds of wickedness abounds in our nation. And we have been a nation of narcotics and alcoholism, and these sins have come home to roost. You know, we've been found wanton and in the balance. We've been saying as Christian preachers, and look, I know that's a little shock for some of you people. You say, boy, I don't hear that on Sunday morning. Of course you don't. Get out of that church. (laughs) Get into a church that's preaching the gospel and telling you of the coming judgment and what's What's truth and what's a lie? Isn't that right, Pastor Al? You're you're absolutely right. And when we look at uh, so many people in our country who celebrate, not not just uh, tolerate, not just uh, allow, but actually celebrate the things that you said, the the 
the destruction of our culture, the uh, the uh, the aborting, the murder of unborn children. God says in Proverbs six, I believe that that's an abomination to Him. And and yet, remember, not too long ago, when the New York State Legislature erupted in cheers because they passed a yes. legislation saying that they could How kill I a wept baby right up that. to the moment of birth. Unbelievable. I, I wept when they did that. They cheered. Yeah. Celebrating and, and, late-term abortion, Pastor. And they thought, God doesn't see this. No, he does. He does. And maybe as a country, God gave us a brief period of uh, time where we could repent and see the blessings during this uh, last four years. But it may be kind of like in the Bible, where they were given an opportunity and then, of course, judgment was certain, judgment was coming, and uh, it could be we're seeing that begin. Proverbs chapter 6, the six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Yes. Pastor Al, the Bible warns us, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Ladies and gentlemen, we are seeing a time in our nation where it is divided. We are already in a civil war. Thankfully, it has not been a shooting civil war. You, you know, Pastor, I talk to veterans at church. I talk to people. I talk to pastors. I talk to, I'm telling you, some of the older women that I talk to who have some wisdom. And, you know, they realize how serious these things all are. And yet some of our young people are in a stupor. They are in churches that don't breathe a word of anything political or anything that's happening in the news or anything that's happening in the culture. Certainly don't talk about pro-life. I visited some of these churches. I pray for those young people. And, Pastor, I pray that there's an awakening because we need a revival right now, an awakening among the people spiritually. Well, and that's my prayer too, Chris, because, you know, when King Manasseh, and Israel, or Judah, the southern kingdom, had descended into idolatry and wickedness, God did grant Manasseh a reprieve when he repented and turned to the Lord. And perhaps we can see that in our country. There's still hope. Jesus is still on the throne. And prayer still, is, has been famously said, prayer still changes things. Amen. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer. And folks, if you'll join with us, let's pray right now for our country, let's pray for its people, and let's pray for the legacy of this wonderful representative republic that we've enjoyed all these years. Pastor, would you pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we think about what's happening in our country and in the world today, you've raised up a beacon of light in this country, but it's not been for the glory of man, but it's been for the glory of Christ. You inspired 200 and some years ago, men and women of faith that come together to fight against uh, atrocities and to fight against uh, uh, things that were wrong and to fight for the rights of free men and free women to be able to 
live their life and to serve you and to worship you freely. Father God, we know that we live in a world that's uh, got a sin-sick nature about it, and we fight spiritual wickedness in high places. So, Lord God, we just ask that you would just move upon the people of this country. We pray for President Trump. We pray that you would give him wisdom during these difficult times. Lord, whether he gets four more years or whether he's uh, leaving office on the 20th, we pray that you would fill him with your spirit and with knowledge and understanding what he ought to do as our leader at this time. Lord, we do pray for uh, for President-elect Biden, as it appears possibly to be. Um, we do pray that you would, if he becomes president, that you would change his heart, that he would have an awakening experience, and he would turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as his Savior and lead this country on the right path. But Lord, most of all, we just ask that thy will be done, that you have your hand upon us, that you raise up godly men and women in the pulpits and churches across this country, and also in the political offices, that we can truly turn back to you as a nation, that we truly can be called one nation under God. Father, again, we just ask that you would just help bring peace and calmness to this country, a return to law and order, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Al. And folks, that's what we need to do. We need to continue to pray and intercede, um, to pray in season and out of season. And certainly this is a time in which it's going to be a time of just constant prayer uh, and just uh, a time of just seeking the Lord at all times. So we want to thank you for listening today. If you've missed any of our program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. And we hope that you visit our webpage and look at some of the things that we're doing at the Ohio State House and also in Washington, D.C., as the days, uh, weeks uh, unfold into 2021. The Ohio Christian Alliance will be busy with public policy, and you're going to want to know what that is. We're also going to be encouraging people, and on this program, we're going to have some very important programs that you won't want to miss. We're going to have some folks that come on and talk to us about, in the event of the disruption of uh, services or power, if there's a natural disaster, uh, you know, we've been through storms, we've been through power outages and things like that, and what to have on hand in your homes so you can make it through for a couple weeks, maybe even three weeks. Sometimes we call them the preppers, but they're talking about ways in which we can have uh, the kind of food and water and medical things that we need at home. If uh, for whatever reason of a state of emergency, we need to be safeguarded. We'll be having those in future programs. Again, thanks for listening today. God bless you and be praying. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.